You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas, and appreciate all the love and support from the wrestling community. As everybody knows, started this podcast as a way for coaches have a conversation and really talk about what it takes to build a program or really build outstanding student athletes. I got a treat for you today. Former Flint Kersley head coach, Mr. Luther Brown. Uh, Coach Brown's statistics, uh, very successful coach. His team's won five district titles. They were regional champs in 2015. He's a three-time conference coach of the year, two-time regional coach of the year, has coached eight state placers with two of them being finalists, all this in eight years. Welcome to the show, Coach Brown. How are you doing today? I am doing fine, my brother. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, this is this is love, man. I, you know, I, I'm glad that you are doing this podcast because we're able to give back to the community so people can understand that, you know, there are a lot of gyms out here, not just uh, some of the bigger programs that are out here trying to have success. Um, I, I do want to mention another. I, I did forget to mention this. Uh, we are uh, we won back to back conference titles, uh, league titles, and that was the first time that had been done um, in twenty years when we did it when I was wow. there too. So, well, hats off to you in the stellar coach career that you that you had there, Flint Kersley. My distinct memory of Flint Kersley is Matthew Brady. Uh, I want to say he set the win record in the state of Michigan 77 and 0 and popularized the move known as the splatal. Yeah. Which back then I think they called the grasshopper. So. Yep, they call it the grasshopper. <laughs> yeah. So um and me and Luther go way back. So w- when I was coaching at Western, uh Luther, uh, Coach Brown, he was the coach at Kersley and I was assistant at Western. And we actually ended up wrestling Kersley at a tournament and um at God, where's that place? Marysville. Marysville, yes. And it was one it was the coolest duel. So we were coming off our regional championship and, and we lowered up our schedule. We wanted to wrestle the best team. So we beat Clyde Orley that that day, which would have been a team that we would have saw at the, the regional final um and team. And then we wrestled you guys and we had a tough duel, a lot of great matches. I remember Noah Shaner uh beating Chapman in a close match. Um but you guys end up prevailing. I'm like, who is this Flint Kersley? I'm like, gosh, man. And then uh, you won Coach of the Year that year. And that's actually where we started actually talking to each other and kind of sharing notes about coaching and everything else. Um, right. Anything you'd like to add on that? <laughs> no, nah, man, you're right. So uh, the tournament we saw you at was Marysville, right? And yep. so we went to that tournament because uh, Rocky, I'm probably going to screw his last name up, but he's going to kill me. He's seen me <laughs> as Palazzo. I think it's Palazzo, right? He's yeah, at, it sounds he's at, all right. Yeah, he's at Celine now. So, Rocky, if you hear this, this is not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to mess up your last name, brother. So, uh, Rocky, um, uh, he was an assistant coach when we first started going to Marysville. But uh, we went to Marysville because it was an on-site weigh-in. Mm-hmm. And so we treated Marysville as a way for, you know, our end-of-the-season push, so to speak, because it was in January. Right. And it gave our it gave our athletes an opportunity to make scratch weight at the lowest weight class they wanted to go to, because when we first started going there, you know, at your league meets, it was home weighing. Right. And so we 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 treated Marysville like okay, you make scratch weight there, then we'll be good. 
You know, it, it was in front of other coaches. Nobody can deny that it happened because the way it took place You're right. with other coaches there, other teams there. So it was no finagling of anything like that. So, so yeah, I man, it was a tough tournament. Uh, we have been going there for for several years, and uh, we caught our stride at the right time, man. And and it was some great dual teams. Uh, we wrestled you there. We wrestled uh, um, Eisenhower. Yeah. Uh, from down there, I mean, it was just that was a tough dual meet. Yeah, in five matches, and I love I love Marysville's setup where they had, you know, it was a sixteen team bracket, but they did like an individual tournament where you know you lost, you go into the constellation, but you got ended up getting five matches, which right. I thought was really really nice. But um, it was such a, and I wish we could have went to there more. What ended up happening is when they shortened the season, our ter- our Holt tournament fell on the same weekend, and Holt is is a big individual tournament. Where you get five matches, so right. uh, I, I wish we would have went back to Marysville, but we'll come back to the team aspect. Tell me about how you got started in the sport of wrestling from your youth to high school. So my story is very unique, right? So I don't have a youth background. Uh, I was at Flint Northern, right? So mm-hmm. in 1994-95, uh, Flint Northern had a Triple Crown championship. So you had the wrestling team who won team states. You had the boys basketball who won team states, and you had the girls basketball that won team states. So I get the northern. Um, I, I just played football, right? And at mm-hmm. the time, William Waters was the assistant coach to Al <laughs> Collins. There. Yeah. And so Will Waters sees me in the hallway and was like, hey, man, come here. You should wrestle. And I'm like, what? You know, and I, I didn't have a concept of it. I'm like, was you trying to get me to do WWE or something like that? You know? <laughs> And so I was like, all right, I'll try it out. So I go to practice and um, and I try it out. I am getting killed because at the time, Darnell Ruffin was there. Mm -hmm. Antonio Harrison was there. Bob Sanders was there. Who knows the history of Flint Northern? All three of them are state champions. Here I am, a kid out of the hallway, getting his face beat in. And so... Uh, but for some kind of reason, man, I, I enjoyed the punishment, right? I kept coming right. back. And so that's how I got in the sport of wrestling. Will Waters pulled me out of the hallway my freshman year in Northern. Gosh. Um, can't say enough about Coach Waters. I actually had the opportunity to teach with him at Bridgeport for four years. And you, you will not meet a more gentler soul than William Waters. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, amazing, so, amazing person. Hope to get him on the podcast someday. We'll see what happens. <laughs> man, so films are inside Will Waters, man. So mm-hmm. he, he pulls me into the sport, and you know, you everybody hits that wall of frustration. I don't have shoes, you know. I I'm a, I come from a single pair home. My mm-hmm. family doesn't have money. You know, it was just tough. So, yeah. um, Will Waters finds a way to get me some shoes. You know, he just, it was just, it was a love that was shown to me. And then after I took all those beatings in practice, like, like Darnell, uh, Antonio Harrison, Harrison and Ahmad, they always kept, man, he coming back. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, you, you're not on this level. Don't come in here. You know, they kept encouraging me to stay, to stick with it. And then I saw the brotherhood that came along with it. Right. So, so my freshman year, um, obviously I can't start. And so they, I got tagged along to all the meets. And I was a video man. 
Because mm-hmm. back then we had the big VHS uh, uh, yeah. recorders that you put on your shoulder, <laughs> looking like yeah. a TV 12 guy. <laughs> so it was my job to record everybody's matches. I had to, you know, put the tape in, record the match, stop, start, so you can watch it, and then flip the tape out when the next weight class was up, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I so I was practicing, but I became the the video man at the same time. And then Will got me into wrestling over the summer. Well, I, let me back up a little bit. So at that point, um, it's a it's a wrestling program here in the city of Flint called the Westwood Heights Battle Cats, mm-hmm. and they needed a place to practice. So um, they were practice at Northern after us, and because I was so new. I was encouraged to stick back behind and work with some of their youth coaches just to help build up my fundamentals. Right. And uh, I did that. Um, and so, you know, you get an extra work in with that. And then that summer, Will was still there. He ran the X-Men and I wrestled freestyle and Greco. And I was ironically, you know, I enjoyed well, I, I wanted to stay at Greco. It was like oh. 98 pounds. And then uh-huh. I just taking a second in freestyle. But my family, we couldn't raise enough money for me to go to Fargo. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't get I, I qualified to go to Fargo. I right. didn't I didn't have the means to make it out there though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't have those uh it, it's very interesting. I mean, people talk about Fargo, which it's an amazing experience, especially you know, the camp that I talked about in my first episode about when I made it to the national team, just going to practice for a week and getting your butt kicked by some of the best wrestlers in your age group um, just makes you makes you that much better. And and uh, sorry you didn't get to get that experience. Like I, it just makes me kind of upset for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's 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 all about timing and planning, right? right. So I mean, it, it just wasn't in the cards for me to get all those different experiences, but mm-hmm. it still helped cultivate you know, me to who I am today. So I'm appreciative of every step, man. Just right. enjoying the process because mm-hmm. it's bled over into, you know, family life and how I do with my wife and children and stuff like that. Right. So high school, you're, 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 you're on, because 95, I want to say, is when they won the state title. Yeah. So, and they, so I coach from Western, you know, I get that there was, uh, <laughs> 95 was, yes. Yeah, uh, and, and Giandi Hill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I was there for some of those matches. <laughs> and I just hear about how they – I mean, two guys, high-level wrestlers, just high-level wrestlers, and they're trying to beat the crap out of each other. But yeah. when you're watching those matches, you know how much time both those individuals put into it, and they're just basically putting on a show for everybody. And, and a lot of mutual respect, you know, 30 almost 30 years after the fact, I, I'm assuming – um, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch any of those matches, but I heard Northern and Western had quite a rivalry um, back in those mid '90s. Uh, especially the Saginaw Valley League at that time was very tough. Exactly. Yeah, they, it was. Uh, those, those matches were like Ray Rowski and Hill, man, were pay per view, man. <laughs> like, well, it was like everybody knew that match was coming and mm-hmm. I couldn't nobody wait for it to happen. The anticipation on both sides, it was, it was, uh, it was nice. I mean, looking back at it, it, it when you're that young, I don't think you appreciate the atmosphere that it, it, it created at the time. But yeah. now you look back at it, you like, man, that was almost like a heavyweight fight, man. 
you know, Ali versus Frazier type mm-hmm. stuff. Right. That environment created, those two going at each other. Yeah, it's like the Michael Jackson meme with the, him eating the popcorn and Thriller. You know, you just sit back, relax, and enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So after – so you wrestled in high school. Did you end up going wrestling in college? No, sir. So um, in college, was, I actually spent four and a half years in the United States Marine Corps after high school. Yeah, thank uh, you for your service. Thank you. <laughs> so I had to, you know, figure some things out. And at, at that point, I didn't feel like I was ready for college. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went to the United States Marine Corps, spent four and a half years there, um, and then came back home. And then I went to college after I got out. Mm-hmm. So, so what made you go into coaching? Oh, wow. So when I, when I got out of, out of the military – um, at the time, Tory Ruffin um, is yeah. a, uh, a real good friend. He's not, I can't even call him a friend, man. Like, I've been knowing him since I was six years old. Like, we right. are basically brothers. Like, mm-hmm. like, friendship does not define our relationship. Too small of a word. So mm-hmm. he was a head coach at Northern, uh, you know, trying to keep the program alive. And he asked me to come along and help. So I was his assistant. And because Flint Northern had a small team and Flint Central had a small team, we could talk about this now because it's over, right? Yeah. Uh, we would actually go over and practice with them. We would drove over because they had a bigger team than us. Right. <laughs> so it was easier for us to transport four kids than it was for them to transport like eight. Mm-hmm. So we go over and practice. And then so we built a relationship with Coach Hill. Coach Hill is actually Giandi's father. So I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've been knowing him for years. So, yeah. you know, we were supporting one another, uh, helping each other's teams out. And then um, when Tory left Northern, he took a police a police officer job. He asked me to be the head coach at Northern. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I had Dimitri Lafier. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's where my eight person come from as yeah. far as like a, a state qualifier. Dimitri was like a hundred twenty five pounder. Um, he's a two time uh, state placer um, at Northern. Mm-hmm. And so I coached him. And then after that, I, I had stopped coaching. Because I had to focus on my my uh, my undergraduate degree, mm-hmm. trying to get that done. Because I'm a du- I, I'm so undergraduate. I'm a double major in accounting and finance. Okay. So um, focus on that. And while I'm at U of M, Flint, finishing my degree, Coach Hill calls me and says, "Hey, man, I'm going out to Kersley. I need somebody to go out there with me." And I was wrapping up. Uh, I was actually wrapping up my last semester. I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I go out to Kersley with him. So I actually spent five years in Kersley as the assistant coach mm-hmm. before I became the head coach. Okay. Man, that's a lot of time. <laughs> Man, yeah. What would you say was when you became the head coach at Kersley, what was the, the welcome to head coaching life moment for you? So welcome to head coach life moment for me was – um, really, like understanding, like you, you, you think you know how to do it until it <laughs> happens. Is is you know what I'm saying? Like you're responsible for the the building of this athlete, right? Right. And, and I mean by the building is like actually putting together a plan for them to grow in the sport. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you used to just think you go in there and show a bunch of moves, and that's it. And then you learn that it's a little more calculated. Like successful programs are more calculated than that. Right. 
And so to, to learn how to build, um, I wouldn't say it's it, it all program building, but build your techniques out. Like, okay, everybody in this program, you can have your own style, but this, here are our fundamentals. We will, we will, everybody will know how to do this, you know, wherever this move is on the bottom, the top, uh, on your feet, all that kind of stuff. So learning how to do that um, and create a system, yeah, that's the best way to put it, creating a, a technique system for your athletes to grow in the sport. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest, the biggest wow moment for me that you can't just go in there and you can't show them every move in a book. Like my first year here coaching, man, we was going over almost two or three new moves a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but we had a small team, right? At that point, Kersey had a youth team, had a middle school team. Our varsity team just went through a little slump a little bit because we just numbered graduating, right? Right. And so the very first year, uh, it was a you know testing out and trying to get that stuff figured out. So that was right. my biggest moment, like understanding that you have to build something to allow these athletes to grow in the sport. Well, I agree. I agree. That first year is always uh, – I felt like for me that the – I always wanted to – I felt like I knew exactly what I was doing. I've had all this mentorship, and I wanted to be different than our previous head coach, uh, Steve Goss, who amazing person, amazing coach. You know, but I think as an assistant, you always have some di- some ideas of what you would do a little bit different. Right. And and you know, no, it's no disrespect to him, but we're we're two different people. So, right. Um, my big thing was just I went outside of my who I was as a coach that first year. I wanted to be so different. You know, and after that, I said, you know, that's not me. That's not going to connect with a lot. Be the coach that you were before, just in a head coaching role. And I think I I still was hard and demanded more, but I think I was more myself, the joking, you know, trying to get kids to plan ahead, to to move past losses, things like that. I I became more like that than the, oh, we just lost to this team. Now we're going to run 50 sprints because you didn't have a great performance. Instead of saying, you know what, in practice – we can deal with these why we didn't win this duel or why we lost certain matches here. We can work on those things in practice. The, yeah. Those things doing out in front of the public just doesn't need to happen. In, in my opinion, I'm not saying coaches are bad for that, but for my opinion, practice is where you do all of your correcting of technique and positioning and mental mindset, all those, those big things. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. So that was another big thing I had learned. I was doing what you was doing. Kid come off and lose. <laughs> I'm all in his face. You know what I'm saying? Just giving him the what for. <laughs> You're right. right. And it didn't win. So my growth moment from that to stop me from doing that is Clio's old hair coach, Joe Funch. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in the Metro League with me. And uh, we were, I forget what coaches meeting we were at. And, we, you know, just having conversations like we always do. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he brought up the, the thing about do you ever see Big Ten coaches cussing their kids out, cutting their athletes out? Like, you don't see them. I mean, a kid go out there, they paying his scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're not paying a person's scholarship at all. Right. And this guy loses. His head coach not getting out of his chair, yelling and screaming at him in, in that gymnasium. He's going to deal with him, but he's going to deal with him at the appropriate time and at the appropriate place. Right, And when Funch brought that to all of our attention, 
it did allow me to adjust how I dealt with the team. And I ultimately think it created a better relationship with me and all athletes because I stopped, I went from being coach that they feared to coach that they respected. Right. And what's that old saying? People won't, uh, kids won't know what you won't care what you know until they know that you care type yeah, of deal. Exactly. Um, and all the time for it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we go out about that. So yeah, you're at Kersley, you're, you're doing great things. Tell me about the the miracle run. I shouldn't say miracle, but the magical run, I should say, to the regional title and, and getting to that point and almost making it to the state semis. Yeah, so that was huge for us. So it, it really came off of uh, a lot of work that went in uh, over the summer. So we were doing fundraising like crazy. So we were able – I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Michigan Renaissance Festival, right? Mm-hmm. Michigan Renaissance Festival uh, was something we were trying to do as a fundraiser. We got a booth in there, and it was all hands on deck, and it helped us raise a lot of money. But it was so massive that we couldn't do it by ourselves. So we included other other programs like Kersley, like Kersley Bowling, Kersley Cheerleading, Kersley Wrestling. Nobody other nobody else wanted to do it, so we need we needed additional help. So other teams in the Metro League joined us, like Swartz Creek Cheerleading, Swartz Creek Bowling, Holly mm-hmm. Cheerleading, Holly <laughs> Bowling. Like uh-huh. it grew that massive, so I was able to get that done, and it was a benefit not only to Kersley but other teams in the Metro League. Right. And so you work that thing like nine weekends in a row. Every weekend you work it, you gotta get enough people there to do the work. And it allows us to do some fundraising. That fundraising sent us to a Jeff Jordan camp. So mm-hmm. this is this is how out cold this was. I'm gonna give you this part, and I'm gonna give you some. Then I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna walk it back, get some history on it. <laughs> At the Jeff Jordan camp, we had everybody there except for Jacob Chapman and James Davis because they went mm-hmm. with Coach Darren Wise to Disney. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the team, the rest of the starters were there. I was there, and we all slept on the mat together at the Jeff Jordan camp. I didn't go get a hotel and mm. stay down the street. I slept on the <laughs> mat with them kids. <laughs> I was there with them all day. You know, so mm-hmm. they woke up. They they obviously, you know, Jeff Jordan camp, if you're not familiar with it, um, you know, everybody will get their showers, and they got done. I would go get my shower because they, you know, they on the time cycle. They got to get done. So right. just being a part of that, and our little breaks, we sit in between, we plan, you know what I'm saying? We just we mm-hmm. join each other. And right. that was like a huge run. So coming out of that camp, we come into that season and we ready. You know, I got some I got some pure pit bulls on the team. Like Andy Rustorfer uh was a freshman. His brother Aaron, his brother Aaron, I think I would tell you right now, Aaron's probably the toughest wrestler I've ever had in my program. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just he broke his arm his senior year, but I believe he he would have placed. He was he was he was unbelievably tough, man. Right. Um, you know, Jacob Chapman, you had James Davis, you had Travis Wildfong. Mm-hmm. We had we had no firepower at the beginning of the lineup and at the end of the lineup. Um, and you know, you had Dylan Terrence, mm-hmm. you know, who is I think probably the wrestler who helped me grow as a coach the most. Mm-hmm. So we go on that run because we all went to the Jeff Jordan camp. But before that, we had, I told you about my first year of coaching. We had a middle school team, a youth team, 
uh, we have Malik Davis too, a middle school mm-hmm. team, a youth team. Um, and then my, my, my first year coaching, we only had like a couple guys. We only had to wait like a year or two because after that, we had three back-to-back classes of guys coming in. Right. And the beautiful part about this is the assistant at the time, Tommy Russo, Andy's and Aaron's father, we were mm-hmm. involved in everything. Like we were head coaches in varsity because Andy was in youth wrestling. We were at the mm-hmm. youth practices. We were at the middle school meets. We were our handprint was on all three stages of wrestling. Right. And it, it built up to where though that next generation, they couldn't wait to get up there and wrestle for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we were at the MMWA meets, we were at the My Way meets, we were at everything. We, we were just there. And so that's what that's how we actually how we got the run. Because we had a feeder program. The youth mm-hmm. fed to the middle school, middle school fed to the high school. And once we put our system in place, it became a lot easier to coach because some of our fundamentals and basics were being taught at those lower levels. Right. When they got to us, you know, it's just, you know, getting them acclimated to competition at this level and and going out there performing, not knowing to not having to learn the moves and perform, but you go out there and perform. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They, I mean, it does help. I I remember um Larry Powell, I've mentioned him a couple of times. He was kind of my mentor. Um, when I was in high school, I still talking to the day, kind of like a father figure, but he was uh, on the Michigan school for the blind uh, that won the state title in 61. They also won in 63 too. Oh, and wow. that was always his big thing about like, you want to, you have to have seven to 10 kids per class for you to really develop a team. Because if you're not getting seven to 10 kids per class, like when you have, those 10 kids graduate and you only have two coming in while well, you're eight kids short. So that was his kind of his math game. You need seven to 10 kids, every class, regardless of ability. Cause you know how those seven of 10, three or four of them could turn into studs or are already studs when they come into high school. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would agree with those numbers. And so that's mm-hmm. what happened. We didn't have his model, but we just, we were able to build the program and, mm-hmm. um, and and that's how it happened, man. It was it was that's it was beautiful to see. And then the team continuity was there because these guys, like I didn't have all year. I only had like two or well, three all year wrestlers. That was Billy mm-hmm. Terrence, uh, uh, Jacob Chapman, and James Davis. Andy Rusdorfer would wrestle every now and again at tournaments, mm-hmm. but like they were playing soccer. Because uh, they love soccer, right? I had right. multi-sport athletes, so yeah. I had a, so in the, in the fall sports, I had some soccer athletes, I had some football athletes, and then uh, <clears throat> wrestling season came. Now, some of them played baseball, mm-hmm. and some of them ran track. So I, I had multi-sport athletes uh, to where uh, building the system was important because these guys weren't going to wrestle all year round, right? And I, I think we've talked a little bit about that um, before, about how you would love to, in a perfect world, have all your kids wrestling year-round, but it's just not very ideal. You know, right. uh, As a coach, you're just trying to give them opportunities in the spring and summer, and you hope that they take advantage of those opportunities. Um, right. One of the things we try to do when I was the coach at Western is to have a ca- summer camp and bring in the best clinicians because I felt like what easier way – to have all your te- to have the majority of your team than to have something in their backyard, and many years it paid off, some years it didn't, and it kind of is what it is. But those opportunities were there. Nobody could ever say 
when you're at, well, there wasn't any opportunity for my kid to get better. Well, well, there was, but between camp and open <laughs> mat and guest clinicians. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a podcast for another time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We did the same thing, man. Like we had Michigan wrestlers for open mat. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I had John Fisher coming in for open mat. I've had, I, I run a clinic with Mitch Hancock at DCC. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there, you know, to, to 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 have things. We had Stab Marshall, Lakeville there. Yep. You know, we've had we had we've always tried to have oppor- like you said, opportunity for anybody who had the time to pop in to to find a way to get better. Right. No, I agree with that. So you get to who did you guys beat in the team regional that year? Ordenville Brandon. Okay. Which so, at that time they were pretty. They had Lad and uh, who's the other? Laverne. Guy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had they had uh, Brian Laverne mm-hmm. and, and, and Brandon Lad. Brandon Brandon Lad. Yeah. So he had. Uh, they had two extremely good wrestlers. They had a solid team. So that year, so we went to Metro League. We went three years with only one loss. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know we we able to establish the level of dominance and if anybody knows the Metro League at that time really Holly was a more dominant program, right? With Don Pluta, mm-hmm. who should be in a Hall of Fame if he doesn't make the Michigan Wrestling Hall of Fame, man, I I don't know <laughs> what to say. Like I just, that I, that's that's that would be I'll be scratching my head a long time over that decision if he doesn't make it in. He right. deserves to be there, but uh, so Ordenville Brandon. They beat us that year at a dual meet in Linden, but like this is how they beat us. Like cause the majority of our kids are out <laughs> taking the, <laughs> the the practice SAT. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was a big thing. The parents, you know, how you gotta manage the parents. The parents want their kids to be there. I was like, forget it, we're sacrificed. Mm-hmm. So the kids took that, they got there, but the meet dual meet was over. And we didn't have our full lineup, and we only lost to them by like six. Mm-hmm. Because we put a heavy emphasis on pinning. That year, you know, I didn't. I didn't believe in that. Let them down, take them up stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. I I just didn't like. I always felt like I, I grew. To, I shouldn't say always. I grew to the point where we practice takedowns at, at practice. Like, I'll take this guy down, and you work the penny. We need six because we got some. We got some some areas in our lineup that are not as strong as others, and they may give up six. So we gotta negate that six that they may give up. Right. Um. So we lose to them, and Donders comes back, and we on a collision course because, like, you, uh, Michigan Grappler uh, was the website to be <laughs> on at the time, and my man is talking about us meeting up, and you're reading all that stuff, and you realize, like, man, this is going to be a tough battle. And right. we get into that meet. We wrestled Marysville first. Uh, we had beat Marysville at Marysville already. Mm-hmm. that year and so they came back Rocky made some adjustments uh, his team came out a lot stronger gave us a tough dual meet like they wrestled like they wanted it mm-hmm. it was I mean it was a nail biter and then we wrestled Brandon and then it becomes an even bigger nail biter because mm-hmm. it's like wow two it's like two heavyweights going at it yeah and so it, that was actually bittersweet for me because Eric Donders is a friend of mine like you are mm-hmm you know, like I know how hard he works in his program, you know, everything that he tries to do to help those kids have uh, a level of success there. 
and you go up against your friend, yeah. it's like, I want to win, but you know how much work he put in and you feel for him that you had to be the one to stop him from getting there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Uh, been in those places one too many times. It's the nature of, you know, friendly competition. Um, I think I talked about this before, but Mike Donvin of Midland, um, we had a bit of a rivalry when I was coaching. I said, you know, for for me, it was always about, I think people thought we had this animosity, but we really didn't. We're good friends off the mat. We want to beat each other, obviously, but when it was all over, you know, we're shaking hands, we're hugging, saying congratulations, and, and talking with our, you know, having our families, our wives and kids talking to each other. So it's, you know, it, 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 at the end of the day, it's competition, but it's also it's the family, it's the friendship, and, and, and that's what's more important. At exactly. That, at that so. um, and then you guys make it to the state quarterfinals and lose a nail-biter to Gaylord. Yeah, yeah, we lose a nail-biter to Gaylord. Um, that was... Uh... It was, it was tough, man. It was tough. Uh, we we went down there with the anticipation of seeing Lowell. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was a move we could have made, but it would it would have hurt us against Lowell because at the time, uh, I think Lucas Hall is his name. Yep. Lucas Hall was at Lowell, and so we wanted to have Chapman available uh, for Lucas Hall if we beat Gaylord uh, because we almost weighed him in at 125 to take out John Martin. Mm-hmm. But, at the, you know, at team states, they told us if he weighs in at 125, uh, yeah, that is, that's where he's going to be. Right. And that also put a cheek in our lineup down the line. So I could bump him up at 19 to 25, but by the time I, I, uh, and and you know how do means go, and you see the progression. Mm-hmm. LaJoy saw that when I didn't send Chapman out at nineteen, he knew mm-hmm. he knew that I was sending Chapman up to twenty five to go get Martin. So yep. he put somebody else in and slid John Martin up to one thirty. Mm-hmm. You know I couldn't go up to one thirty because that's a two weight class. He yep. would have to recertify, and it was only one way in at the state meet. So there's no way that yep. was gonna happen. It's kind of crazy if you had the two if you had the two weigh-ins, you can make that adjustment for the next weigh-in. Yes, yeah. you know, and we can talk about the one weigh-in versus two weigh-in, but it, it does. I mean, it changes your entire strategy at that point. Yeah, exactly. So it was a, it was a good experience for the team. Um, we got down there and they were excited. They competed as well as we could. I, I feel like everybody gave me what they had, and I had to. I think that's something that we got to learn as coaches, too, is realizing that no matter the outcome, if you gave me what you had, I can live with it. Right. And I I think we lose sight of that, coaches, because we just see wins and losses. And and so Tommy and I adopted the philosophy, and that actually helped us out, too. We used to tell them, listen, the wins and losses to take care of themselves. The most important thing is that you go out there and you compete every second you're on the mat. Right. If you can compete every second on the mat, the wins and losses to take care of themselves. And we started that became the like a, a, a statement we said all the time. And and it almost like you felt like the pressure came off the kids. Right. And they just go out there and compete. And you asked them, did you give me the best you had? I could have gave a little more. And so okay, let's not have this conversation again then. Just don't mm-hmm. don't don't tell me you gotta give me more. Just just do what you gotta do. Right. And, yeah. and don't focus on the wins and losses. 
Mm-hmm. No, I agree that there's something to be said about effort versus effort based training versus results. Um, wins and losses take care of themselves. At the end of the day, you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be okay with how you performed. Right. And if you didn't perform the best, then you go back to the lab and tinker and retool and figure it out from there. Exactly. Uh, so as we go towards wrapping this up a little bit, uh, tell me what your advice would be to a new coach that is ready to get their skin in the game? Like, what are some some tips, tricks that you could tell them to uh, to get them over the hump? I would tell them to map out a plan or your vision for your program on a one, three, five basis, one year, three year, five year. And the reason why that's important because it gives you the vision to project to your athletic director and the parents in your program. Never underestimate how vital it is to have parental support because they can make your program and they can break your program. Yep. And so understanding that coaching is not just coaching the athlete. You have to coach the parents too because there's nothing worse when you at home I mean, you work with a kid and the kid bought into you. And then when he goes home and his dad tells him, we're not doing that. I don't believe in this coach. He's not good for you. I can't wait for him to get fired. Mm-hmm. Now this kid is in a conflict. And a lot of times because they might not know the vision, but if you can communicate a vision, one, three, five, and then let them know their role in this vision and what you need them to do to help you accomplish that. I think you're going to have a lot more success and build a much more successful program because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go in the gymnasiums regardless of the kid wins or loses. And they want their kid to be successful, but they see that they know we, we working towards something. Right. Don't worry about it. We'll get you next time around. We, we know what we know what's at stake. So that's what I would tell uh, a new coach gets getting in the game, map out a program, not, not a season map out a program. One, three, five, what, in five years, this is your overall goal for the program. Get your AD involved because most of the time, parents are going to be the first one to go to him or her and complain. But mm-hmm. if they know what's going on, they can kind of stave that off and, sure. and build rapport with your athletes and your parents. Uh, well said, Luther. I appreciate, uh, the, like I said, we, we've become close friends over the last six or seven years and really appreciate doing um, – you know, now you've stepped back from coaching. You're you've been hanging out with the family and doing all yeah. these things. You got a new new job that you've been on for two years now. Yeah. So I mean, you're doing great things. And and like I've told people before, like when I originally stepped down, you know, I asked for consult from many of my mentors, and I include you. You you were a big one that kind of made people understand like there's other ways for you to contribute to the sport that you love. And right. It doesn't have to necessarily be day to day coaching and all that stuff, but. Um, I really appreciate that guidance and advice and, and looking forward to many more years of friendship and, and getting down there and seeing you guys uh, down in the Flint area. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, man. I appreciate it. Like you said, that our friendship is has really grown. Um, and yeah, you were a phenomenal coach when you were in it. You still are a phenomenal coach. And I know you got uh, something something brewing. And I can't wait to see the results of that. You know, And appreciate your time, man. And your, your family's time from the time we've had conversations. You took time away from them for us to talk, man. That was yeah. huge, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think they all understand our, our passion for the sport and, and helping each other out. So 
it, it, it's great great to have the support from the family so you have a great day luther and thank you appreciate everything yeah no problem man thank you for listening to the coach t podcast by my dad